Our first scripture reading comes, us, comes to us from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 3 through 12. We know it better as the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The word of the Lord. Mark got to read his favorite scripture. I got to hear my favorite song from Chris today. It's a good Sunday. Our second scripture reading comes again from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 25, verses 31 through 46. And I invite you to actively listen to read along. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, Come you that are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food, or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you and saw you naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick, or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. And then he will say to those at his left hand, 
You that are cursed, depart from me into the internal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not give me clothing. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not take care of you? Then he will answer him. Truly, I tell you, just as you did not do it for one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God, depending on what side you're on. Do y'all remember the song, the Joan Osborne song, What If God Was One of Us? I'm not going to sing it like some people did a couple weeks ago, but Jamie Babzak uh, preached a couple weeks ago, if you missed it, and sang. I'm not going to sing. It says, what if God were one of us, just a slob like one of us, just a stranger on the bus trying to make his way home? This is the song that immediately came to mind when I was working on this sermon. Jesus tells a somewhat fearful parable about judgment at the end times when the nations of the world gather before the Son of Man, recognizing his kingship, and as he stands in the same location where Jesus gave that great sermon on the mount, that Mark just read. From this location, the Son of Man separates individuals from one another into two different flocks, sheep and goats. And the sheep receive a place of honor and inherit God's kingdom because they gave him food and water and clothing and care and hospitality. And the goats, on the other hand, are cursed and end up in eternal fire because they did none of those things. It is a gruesome image, this parable. Even a Hans Christian Andersen or Grimm Brothers fairy tale, much less a Jesus parable. But to go back to the song, what is interesting is that in this story, neither group knows who they are. Both groups are absolutely clueless, scratching their heads. When did we help you? When did we not help you? When? We didn't know it was you. It leaves the question, would we recognize the Messiah? 
if the Messiah were right in front of us. For the last few weeks, we have been talking about hospitality. God's radical hospitality, hospitality to those we, we know, and today, considering hospitality to those we don't know. And this text, like most scriptures should, raises some interesting questions about how we live out our faith. This text may leave us wondering if we come to the conclusion that, that we are saved from helping others. As long as we help the poor and clothe the needy and care for the sick, are we saved? And if we don't, is our faith empty and our future bleak? We have a tendency to reduce our faith to a set of rules. And as long as we follow them, everything is going to be okay. We live in a world that is not rigid. So to obtain some level of power and control, it's really nice to put these rigid rules on our faith. If I believe this, then I am a Christian. We might see our faith as a scorecard. I've served on this committee. I volunteered this many hours at the food bank. How am I doing? Am I saved yet? How many points do I have? And when we hear this parable, we might be thinking about, which one am I? Am I a sheep or am I a goat? Oh, I'm definitely a sheep. <laughs> of course, we're all sheep. But the truth is, we're both. Have any of us ever helped another? Have we taken a meal to a friend? Or given money to a stranger? What about visiting a friend in the hospital or even in prison? Have we given our time to help build a house for Habitat for Humanity or given our money to the ministries like Week of Compassion? Yeah. But how many of us have also not done what we could? When we refuse to make eye contact with that person on the street out of fear that they will ask us for something that we don't have. Or had good intentions of visiting that person in the hospital, but we just got too busy and it didn't happen. Or we'd like to volunteer more, but we just can't find the time. The truth is, is that the world's needs are endless. So it does not serve us to ask the question, are we sheep or are we goats? Because we're both. 
You see, the purpose of this parable is not to question if we have done enough to be sheep, but to show how to love the neighbor. I know we like to make this all about us. How is my faith? How am I doing? Have I done enough? Am I there yet? But the question that Jesus is encouraging us to ask in this story is not, how am I doing? But how is my neighbor doing? There's a story about a monastery that had fallen on hard times. Once a great order had become decimated to the point that there were only five monks left in a decaying mother house. And the abbot and four others, all over the age of 70, clearly realized it was a dying order. In the deep woods surrounding the monastery, there was a hermitage. And as the abbot agonized over the imminent death of his order, it occurred to him to visit the hermitage and ask if by some possible chance the hermit could offer some advice that might save the monastery. And the hermit welcomed the abbot. But when the abbot explained the purpose of his visit, the hermit could only commiserate with him. I know how it is, he explained. The spirit has gone out of the people. It is the same in the nearby towns. The time came when the abbot had to leave. And they embraced each other. It has been a wonderful thing that we should meet after all these years, the abbot said. But I have still failed in my purpose for coming here. Is there nothing you can tell me, no piece of advice that you could give me that would help me save this dying order? No, I'm sorry, the hermit responded. I have no advice to give. The only thing I can tell you is the Messiah is one of you. When the abbot returned to the monastery, his fellow monks gathered around him to ask, well, what did the hermit say? He couldn't help. The abbot answered, we just complained and read the scriptures together. The only thing he did say, just as I was leaving, was just something so cryptic. He said that the Messiah was one of us. I don't know what he meant. In the days and weeks and months that followed, the old monks pondered these words and wondered whether there was any possible significance. The Messiah, one of us? Could he possibly have meant one of us monks here at the monastery? And if that's the case, which one? Do you suppose he meant the abbot? Yes, if he meant the abbot, he probably meant the he meant the abbot because he's been our leader for more than a generation. On the other hand, he might have meant 
Brother Thomas. Certainly Brother Thomas is a holy man. Everyone knows that Thomas is a man of the light. Certainly he could not have met, meant Brother Elred. Elred gets crotchety at times. But come to think about it, even though he is a thorn in people's sides, when you look back on it, Elred is virtually always right, often very right. Maybe the hermit didn't mean Brother Elred. But surely not Brother Philip. I mean, Philip is so passive and a real nobody. But then almost mysteriously, he has a gift for somehow always being there when you need him. He just magically appears by your side. Maybe, maybe Philip is the Messiah. Of course, the hermit didn't mean me. He couldn't possibly have meant me. I am just an ordinary person. Yet suppose he did. Suppose I am the Messiah. Oh, God, not me. I couldn't be that much for you, could I? As they contemplated in this manner, the old monks began to treat each other with extraordinary respect. On the off chance that one of them might just be the Messiah. And on the off, off chance that each monk himself might be the Messiah, they began to treat themselves with extraordinary respect as well. Let us go and do likewise.